Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Spaxploitation Book Club, my podcast where I talk about the positive and extreme, um, but on the podcast version I do it with a guest and this week I have Judith Summit with me. Hi, show, how's it Judith. going? <laughs> uh, before I give Judith a chance to properly introduce herself, I'll just let you know a bit about this new podcast. Um, so Splatsportation Book Club is a podcast where I invite a guest from the extreme horror and splatterpunk community onto the show. And together we talk about a book that we both enjoy. If it's an author, it can't be one of their books. And it can't be some six, seven hundred page book because I simply don't have the time. But other than that, it's any book that we both enjoy. And yeah, that's pretty much the only rules to the show. So everything else is nice and laid back. Um, so yeah, with that said, welcome to the show, Judith. Hi, it's good to be here, Stephen. Yeah, it's lovely again to see you in person. We spoke a yeah. bit on messaging, but like this is nice. <laughs> Um, so yeah, before we kind of move forward with things, I'll give you a little bit of a chance to introduce yourself to everyone. Um, you can let them know what books of yours to read, where to pick them up, and anything else you want to say, really. Oh, thank you. Um, so I have been writing for a while now. Um, I have about, I think, over 20 books published, uh, most of them self-published, uh, ranging from absurdist splattered comedies to hardcore extreme horror. Um, my most popular book is No One Rides for Free, which people either love or hate. <laughs> <laughs> I love that divide. <laughs> um, you can pick up all of my books on Amazon. Um, a few of them are on Godless. Uh, right now, I think it's just my short story collection, Toxic, and my novella, For the Sake of. Um, I'm hoping to get more on there as, as I go. Um, my most recent book was a horror comedy called Splattersaurus, which took the cabin in the woods slasher tropes and replaced the slasher with a dinosaur. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm known for creating the 10 day challenge where me and other indie authors will get together and we'll write themed novellas, edit them and publish them within a 10 day time frame. Um, the last one we did was Splatter Crimes with Otis Bateman and Brian G. Berry, and it was a ton of fun. Um, I'm a big fan of old paperback horror. Uh, I read a lot of Richard Lehman, Dennis Etchison, uh, Clive Barker, and authors from that era. Um, and I do like reviews, write-ups on old books that I read. That's me. <laughs> awesome. I'll never understand how you do those 10 day challenges. Like they I, just, I don't sleep. They scare me. Like <laughs> they are scary. <laughs> I always like when I when I have a, a new author involved in those 10 day challenges, I, I send them like paragraphs of warnings, just letting them know like you will get frustrated, you will <laughs> not sleep well, you will have a hard time. It is not gonna be fun. Like <laughs> Thankfully, people have been game for it. Everybody has has had a lot of success with it. Oh, I just I can't imagine it. Like the the little novelette I wrote recently, like that took about four days for about eight thousand words. Uh, but like the story just formed. Like, but doing something that's like what sixteen to twenty thousand words minimum. Yeah, roundabout. Uh, uh, yeah, like that would just I don't know. I think I'd have an anxiety attack trying that. Well, we've got a, we've got five authors doing it for the next round, um, oh, wow. and we've all kind of said, "Let's go easy on people." These things need to be like forty to fifty pages. <laughs> so, right, yeah. See, yeah, that makes more sense to set in that like a bit of a limit. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean the um, I haven't read the Splat Chrome ones, but I read the um, the B movie ones. And they were all relatively short, right? They were a pretty decent length. Yeah, I think I think mine was the longest, and it was like ninety pages or something. Yeah, yeah. and I, I wrote I most it. of it. I wrote most of it on an airplane because <laughs> <laughs> for some reason I scheduled it around the time I was moving. So because yeah. right, I started that. I started that enough. book in yeah. Missouri and ended it in Utah. Yeah. yeah. You were like, how else can I make this even more difficult? Yeah. I'm going to move state and do it on a plane. Yeah, fuck Judith. Make her life really hard. 
Uh, but yeah, and also like 20 books, that's that's a lot for how long you've been writing. Like, Thank you. It must be pretty much a nonstop. Yeah, I uh, I don't sleep much. <laughs> that's the trick. <laughs> yeah, and you were saying about the mixed reception as well of um, no one writes for free. Like, I was a little bit surprised that it gets such a mixed reception. Like, I loved it, but like, I love like like Hitcher and those sort of old sort of movies like that. So. Yeah. It's well, it took off on TikTok. Right. And and that's kind of what brought a lot of people in who don't usually read extreme horror. And they they all left one star reviews about how how terrible and nasty and gross it is, which then brought more people in <laughs> because they wanted to see how terrible and nasty oh, and gross it is. <laughs> right. So you think you just got to potentially the wrong audience, but yeah, but that brings audience. in the right amount of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's quite an interesting one, I think, like the way that works. But in fairness, you did stop the book halfway through and warn everyone that it was about to get Right. I let people know insane. what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> they can't yeah. accuse me of false advertising. That's the one <laughs> thing they can't do. <laughs> yeah. Between the cover, the warnings at the beginning, and then the yeah. intermission, I think you gave fair warning. Right. <laughs> But controversy sells books. It's yeah. like, I, I always tell younger authors um, when they're worried about one-star reviews, I'm like, that's going to sell books for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, use it. <laughs> yeah, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I haven't had any of those one-star reviews yet. I've had a couple of twos, but I haven't yeah. had that like <laughs> nasty one-star one that I can wear as a, a badge of honor yet. The The bigger you get, the more it'll happen mm. and it's again it's a sign of success <laughs> yeah that's why i always remind myself like if i if i'm getting a bit worried about something or i get some reviews i'm like oh like i'll go and check out one of my favorite books look at the one star reviews and be <laughs> like did they read something completely different like oh man some of them like i i read one star reviews for fun and they're just it's a blast seeing how upset people get over some of these horror books it makes me happy <laughs> It just, yeah, it just reinforces to me that I'm doing the right things. I'm like, well, yeah. if people hate that, and as far as I'm concerned, that book is perfect, then, you know, you just got to do it. It's like if you want to have a fun time, look up the one-star reviews for Dead Inside by Chandler Morrison and yeah. get your popcorn and have a blast. <laughs> yeah, I think you could lose a whole evening doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Before we cover the book we're going to talk about today, uh, I also like to give every person I invite onto the show a chance to tell a 60-second story, 60 seconds or under, and then I'm going to compile them all at the end of maybe the year, or maybe a bit longer, when I feel like I've got enough to put them all together. Uh, we'll probably put them all together in some book and do something with that, and I'll probably do some super cuts as well of everyone's uh, video so feel free to kind of put on a bit of a performance as well when you tell it um so yeah i think you've got a story for us have you judith i do yeah i hope it's under 60 seconds but we'll see it's fine if it goes uh, out, i'm not gonna keep a clock yeah <laughs> get out your stopwatch <laughs> yeah no no someone's already gone well over 60 seconds already so it's fine yeah <laughs> i think you've only had one episode so far <laughs> Uh, I've already released one episode when we filmed this, but oh, I filmed okay. a few more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a little. <laughs> I was like, I was going to go there. DM uh, Otis Bateman. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, ah. <laughs> no, someone else went a little bit over, and I was like, it's yeah. Fine. Okay. All but, right. So, this is harder by me. <laughs> the killer drew his razor across her brow, opening the new vile flesh. She jerked against her restraints, pulling at the skin of her wrists. She sobbed, wept, and screeched as the blade dug in, skimming across her skull. The union of bone and blade was discordant. It was a song meant only for ruptured ears. The killer pulled his razor away, watching with mirth as sheets of blood spilled out from the fissure and coated her trembling face. The velvety curtains shimmered, swayed, and then hissed freely from the injury. She continued to moan as the killer dug his fingers into the wound. With all the kindness of a barbarian, he tore down. The flesh didn't rip like paper. 
Instead, it came away in a greasy clump, connected still to her face by strands of ropey musculature. The killer yanked and tugged and pulled. Soon, her face was a patchwork of red and white. He gave her a second of respite. He counted every husky breath she released and every tear she dropped. When she was ready for more, she said, hurt me harder, daddy. And he got back to work. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so that is Harder by me. That sounds like one of yours. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you very much for sharing that. That was awesome. No problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, before we start chatting about this book, just a little warning in advance that there will be spoilers so that we can uh, go into it as much as we want. So the book we'll be talking about is Seller by Richard Lehman, as Judith has shown everyone there. Um, shamefully, this was my first ever Richard Lehman book, but I feel like it's a very good place to start. Yeah, because because now I get to tell you to read all of his books. Yeah, I'll definitely give you. You a, get to experience them all for the first time. I wish I could do that. <laughs> I know, I always use that line within films when people are like, oh, yeah. I haven't seen Godfather. I'm like, you get to see Godfather for the first time? That's amazing. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. no, I love it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, do you want to um, go for a little bit of the synopsis first? Or do you want to say why you and say why you um, chose this book as well? Out of everything yeah. you pick, why this one stuck so, so I knew we'd, we'd choose a Richard Lehman book because he he is my favorite author and he's very, like, not only important to the foundations of like my books, but like the foundations of everything that's going on in uh, the extreme horror and splatterpunk scene. Like we just, we would not be writing what we write if it wasn't for Richard Lehman and his, uh, his abilities to push crime and horror fiction, like way harder than anyone else was going. <laughs> so the seller was one of his first books. Um, and it is about a woman and her daughter who are escaping her abusive husband who just got out of jail. And they come to this coastal town where there is a tourist attraction called the Beast House, where a monster is supposed to live and he rapes and kills anybody who comes into the house at night. Um, so the, the mother and daughter end up getting involved with two men who are hunting the beast. And while they pursue it, her husband is chasing after them. So it just kind of becomes a, a nightmare of abuse and violence and gore and horrible, horrible things happening to good people. I was um, maybe naively, but I was very shocked by how graphic it was, considering how old the book is. Yeah, um, this came out in 1980. I, I think. think it was 80, yeah. And I mean, even for, for literature at that time, uh, it's, it's very hardcore. <laughs> um, but like the, the thing about 80s paperbacks is well, while the MPAA was cutting slasher movies and forcing studios to be more conservative about gore and nudity, mm -hmm. uh, books were adding that. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of authors, and Richard Lehman is one of them, who wanted to do more like suspense and chiller books, but publishers were making them add gore scenes to it. Um, it so it was kind of, it's funny, it was the, the exact opposite of the very conservative era of film. Um, but yeah, the, the seller is excessively gory and sleazy and nasty and dark. <laughs> That's it. Like I watched a lot of movies from that period, and over in England we had the whole like video nasties and Mary Whitehouse and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it kind of like I always assumed that era was late seventies, early eighties. Is like got some of the nastiest films. It just never occurred to me that there was like books like that as well. Yeah. But for the opposite reason, like. <laughs> and what what I love about this book and anybody who's read it will agree with me. Um, the style <laughs> is very sparse. Like, it's almost lyrical and poetic. Everything's almost set up in a stanza. Uh, but you see everything so clearly when you read this, even though he doesn't need to go into too much detail to do that. 
Yeah, I wrote a bunch of notes for this conversation. And just before we started, I kind of jotted down some more. There was along that line. It's like, yeah. there's a lot of like manual store stuff in here, just like them going for lunch or doing this or little things. And yeah, <laughs> it's all written very shortly. Like you almost don't need to include it, but it adds this weird like time frame to everything. Like, yeah, it's it's very cinematic language, um, mm. and that you you feel like you're watching it unfold rather yeah. than just like sitting sitting in someone's head. Yeah, just um, all the stuff of them like going for a meal, going to the garage, using yeah. the phone, unlocking their door. But it's all like short, short sentences. It just right. <laughs> speeds everything up, but it also gives you all this extra information that you're just like, well cool like that just moves the story along when it doesn't take any time up yeah you you in a very short amount of time you get to know all of these characters so well and like he doesn't even have to say much for you to get like a clear image of what they look like or who they are yeah he does that with a lot of his books a lot of his books are, are longer than the seller this is one of his shorter ones um but like Body Rides is about a 500 page erotic horror novel about body swapping. And it still has little details about like, oh, well, let's make margaritas. Oh, let's go to the <laughs> carnival today. <laughs> like, yeah. It's no, like all it. of it's gripping. It's like in, in any other book, I wouldn't care about like how the margaritas taste, but Richard Lehman makes me care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was really effective. I don't quite know how he done it. It was almost amusing. Like yeah. Because it was so like perfunctory, it just, yeah, it just kind of made me laugh because it just, we're like, well, I don't need to know all of this, but like, I've got such a good image in my head of what's going on at all times. So right. Really, it's working. <laughs> um, Yeah, I, I kind of went into it blind, this one. I didn't know what it was about, like, from the cover doesn't really give much away as well. And I really liked the mystery of it all. Uh, yeah, that's not even the cover I saw yeah. either. The one I saw was just the cellar door with the shadow. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I really liked the mystery of it. Like, I didn't know what the fuck Roy had done. Like, I knew it had to be horrendous. But a horrible took, person, yeah. <laughs> it took a long time to know what exactly he'd done. The whole, if the beast is real or the figment of imagination and kind of judge his whole stance on things. Like, he really held a lot back in this book as well for as long as possible. Yeah, and right when it's revealed, like it, it feels so well earned at that point. Mm. Because like I think for, for me, the first time I read this book, I was I was in like eighth grade or something. And it sort of felt like a Scooby Doo mystery for a while of like, mm. is it actually a monster or is it people or what's going on? And you don't really know until that last act really. Are they gonna pull the mask off and Axel's gonna be yeah. <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like i said we can skip around a bit so it's probably worth talking about that right now um they'd convinced me there wasn't a beast by the end of yeah. it yeah i wasn't expecting there to be a beast there's there's more than one beast too. yeah there's i definitely several. wasn't expecting yeah. there to be a whole family of them yeah no even even though i've read this book before rereading it it's always a shock right when it's like, oh, we killed the beast, and then they turn around, and there's another just like barrel <laughs> yeah. down the hallway. So you you <laughs> travel back, and you're like, wait, no, I thought they just killed a beast. Like, oh shit, there's another one. Just Richard Richard Layman was so good at like sudden scares. He mm. he's one of the only authors that can do a jump scare in a book. <laughs> in a book, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, this book it has so many like jump scare moments where it's just suddenly everything changes. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely wasn't expecting there to be a whole family of beasts. But yeah. Like I, I started to suspect when she was reading the diary, because I was like, well, who's this for if it's not real? Right. But and she even points was, out, she's like, if this isn't real, they would have sold it and tried to make money off of it. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Like, And still, I wasn't expecting there to be a fucking beast. They even like blatantly told me at that point, yeah. no, this is real. <laughs> I'm still like, oh, maybe not. I think it's because yeah. it's a setting, right? Because you've got this tourist attraction, beast house. There has to be a beast for the tourists. So that kind of makes it feel like it's not real. So no, it was very clever, I thought. Yeah. Um, I love the the details of the 
the beast house tourist attraction i love the <laughs> a little mannequins like positioned and stuff the the horrible wax models of everybody yeah. who've been like raped and killed and murdered <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like the the woman who owns the house um her family was killed in it and they're like oh well where are the models for that she's like i'm not going to exploit my family <laughs> I'm not going to make models after my kids. I'm going to make them mm. after someone else's. <laughs> like, that would be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was quite fun. It was good imagery with the uh, whole model house. Like, you could feel yourself walking through it and right. seeing those crazy, like, wax models. And yeah, just, I don't know, kind of reminded me of the London dungeons or something. I don't know. It was quite fun. Yeah. It's. You know, and not to like compare Richard Lehman to other authors, but like when when I reread a Stephen King book as an adult, it feels different than when I read it as a kid. And that's a good thing for that Stephen King book because it's it's kind of like I evolved and now the book has yeah. evolved. Uh Richard Lehman, like it's the exact same experience of reading <laughs> it when I was in like seventh grade. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it scared me, it shocked me, it makes me happy. Like <laughs> and it's, it's, and it's quite, a very fucked up way yeah <laughs> yeah it's very fucked up like i said it really yeah i don't know it definitely did catch me off guard i wasn't expecting it to quite be as rapey and some of the language and the aggression of the characters like it's all yeah. stuff i love in modern books but yeah i just wasn't expecting it from an older book so it was very right it's surprise. like if if you love authors like aaron Beauregard and daniel volpe if you love my type of books like this is this is where we get it from <laughs> yeah you know, i, I see, don't think um i can there's... see roy in a lot of modern books yeah i've definitely written a lot of roy characters um i mean the man in no one the, for free the man be, from no one yeah. rides for free very much it's like almost a almost a tangent of roy's road trip mm -hmm. Because, yeah, yeah, like most of the book is on the, the coastal town where the Beast House is. And it follows the, the woman, her daughter, and their relationship with uh, the Beast Hunters. Um, but then it like it goes on almost a completely different book when it's Roy's hmm. voyage to find <laughs> her. Yeah. Yeah, I, and he's I, like, I think I almost liked Roy's story a bit more just because it yeah. was so wacky. <laughs> it's, it's wacky, but like so disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. you know, this, this book goes places that even a lot of modern books won't go um, with its depictions of like child abuse. And it's like, ugh, that's, yeah. that's gross. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was kind of... Um maybe creepier might be the right word because he wasn't yeah. graphic with the rapes it was almost no. nonchalant like you know oh i just need to quickly fuck this little kid and then we can move on yeah get into <laughs> big detail and that just made it like more like dirty i think it was quite yeah effective. and uh, a lot of people have like accused richard layman of some horrible stuff which i don't think is true um and it's because of his writing of like <laughs> rape it's and and as someone who's been abused i'm like he gets it a lot more than i think a lot of people do on like how nonchalant abusers can be about it like it's just it was, something to do yeah yeah it was leering like it was more like he was just kind of yeah just kind of the writing felt like it was like from an outside viewpoint rather than being all graphic and nasty and disgusting yeah. It it's almost feels like uh, a, fact. On a, Which... a true crime podcast over yeah. like a gratuitous exploitation book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I think I've made it like yeah. nastier. Like, yeah. Um, no, also... like if anybody, if anybody thinks, oh, this is an old book, there's nothing like in it that's going to be too crazy. Like, <laughs> no, it's one of the more yeah. offensive books like ever yeah. written, <laughs> and it's that brusqueness it makes it even more effective yeah. um, and terrifying and gross and hard to handle. <laughs> it felt like it had that older, like Japanese pink movie structure where there had to be like a sex scene yeah. every 10 minutes. But in this one, it could be between like anything. 
<laughs> right. Like an adult and a kid, a guy and a beast, like a <laughs> woman and a beast, and two yeah. people reading a diary and about a beast, a beast, and someone. Smutty diary that's just filled with <laughs> descriptions of like, oh, and this is how I fucked the beast that was living in the cellar under my house. <laughs> like, it took a while to get there. To start with, it was all like tidal, sort of the washing of the shore, and she was trying to be poetic about it. Yeah. And then by the end of the diary, it was just like, yeah, me and the beast were fucking hard on the floor. Well, and I think it's, it's funny that, like, she's very poetic when she's describing, like, how she's having sex with a human. And then it's almost like she feels like that's what she has to write about, like, yeah. sex with that person. And then she has sex with the monster. She's like, oh, this is, like, really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I came. <laughs> yeah. Once yeah. you go monster, that's it. You can't have another yeah, human again. You can't turn back. No, I mean, yeah, this is a great book for, uh, monster fucking fans yeah. uh, that was an added bonus i wasn't expecting that yeah <laughs> <laughs> no and it's i think layman handles sex like really interestingly in this book because he makes it so clear with like the brusqueness and the the sort of leering of the rape scenes like you're not supposed to enjoy this hmm. this is horrible this is terrifying this is sad this is um awful and then he goes into so much detail on like almost the smutty parts of the book like the relationship that the mother ends up having with the uh um judge the the beast hunter um do you think that's because of perspective like because all the nasty shit is from a boy's perspective but the nicer consensual stuff is from donna and the woman in the house right right and and people talk about like how rapey women books are and i'm like he he's always very concerned with consent in his novels like i mentioned Mm -hmm. uh body rides there's like a whole five pages in that book where they discuss like the consent of swapping bodies and then having sex in those bodies (laughs) (laughs) very very clearly like hey this is good these yeah, are like, bad. <laughs> judge in this one was very much like, you know, I want it, but, you know, is this all right? Yeah. Can we do this? Like, And he's the good character, where Roy is obviously the fucking arsehole yeah. of the story. He's just going to take what he wants. <laughs> and there's there's so much, like, smut stuff coming out nowadays where it's like they, they don't think about, like, talking about consent. But Richard Lehman tends to. So. <laughs> I'll keep my offensive 80s books, thank you. <laughs> yeah, another thing that surprised me, there's maybe only a couple of scenes, but I had a couple of scenes that were really fucking funny, and they kind of, like, one of them felt like something completely different novel, and I don't know why this scene was in here, but it made me chuckle, so maybe that's it. Which was yeah. the um, first of the two, was the police officers with the whole so. Like, oh, that was so yeah. weird. Like, that felt like peak Cohen Brothers, but before the Cohen Brothers. Yeah, no, Richard Lehman, he's always, he's always had a kind of absurdist sense of humor. Um, <laughs> like, some of his books are straight up just horror comedies. Um, if you read After Midnight, it's a very ridiculous book that gets increasingly more ridiculous as it goes. And it's from a first person narration. And it's, it, has probably made me laugh more than any other book, even though it's filled with rape and gore and giant obese hillbilly monsters. (laughs) It it Um, felt like in this one that they were put there to break things up, right? Yeah. Like like the so scene was when she found out her fucking sister had just been raped and killed. And it's one of the funniest scenes in the book. You're like, that's some ballsy writing right there. (laughs) And, then, and you know, with with how like far this book goes in terms of violence and rape, it's I I really appreciate that we get a little break to kind of chuckle. Yeah, because the other thing I found funny, and maybe this is just my demented sense of humor, was the hiking trail. Like you know, he had just like basically beat this girl up, shot her, raped her, but then pitched his tent in the middle of the trail. So like when the two people come along in the morning, they're like, "Why is your tent in the middle of the hiking trail?" Like. And he's he has trying to, like, to like, fumble really his way around that Yeah, and he's kind yeah. of trying to, like, fumble his way around while perving over the girl, while trying not to be discovered as being this 
kidnapped murderer and it's this absurdly funny scene that you're like yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be funny like it's it's such a weird place and i think good horror comedy is it's funny for us but it's not funny for the characters at all yeah. and that's yeah very much this type of writing like i i doubt that any character in the seller is going to look back with any humor at what exactly. happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to find any funny in this book. Yeah. But even the end, there's like a lot of dark humor to it, even though it's like really disturbing. It's also like it sort of ironic. Well, yeah, especially the stuff with um, Sandy, right? Because you've had these yeah. hints all the way through that she's got a bit of a, a darker side. That she's got a, she likes she's to got a up, bit of but... her dad. Yeah, <laughs> Roy. Roy passed some deviancy down to that kid. Yeah. So the kind of tag at the end, you're like, oh, she, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can buy that she's saying this ridiculous stuff. Right. <laughs> but also, you had the, um, which I thought was a weird scene at the time, but it made me laugh at the end. You know, my way was the um, uh, Donna judging the girl at the um, at the motel. She was pretty much like the way that girl's like dressed. She's asking to be raped. And it's such a nasty thing to say. And then later she gets raped by Roy. And yeah. like, as, as a reader, reader, you're like, oh shit, like that's not so funny anymore. Like No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and, and Roy is just such such a terror. And he's like more of a monster than the beasts even are. Because like, at least during the, the journal, when you read about like the woman having sex with the beast at least like there was some consent there <laughs> but well i think that was Roy, another uh, one of the um another one of the reasons i didn't think there was an actual beast because i was yeah modern symbolism turns like no roy's the beast obviously right it's like, no roy's a fucking cunt but also there's beasts there's oh it's like beasts. if this was an a24 movie boy the beast would be a metaphor for the yeah, exactly, yeah. and it's like no they're both they both exist the they same both way. exist plane yeah. of existence yeah yeah it caught me out because yeah i was just viewing it as a modern lens thinking like yeah boys the beast you know so no, no you can have it all <laughs> you can have your cake and eat it yeah uh we we won't talk about it much um just because i also like i need to reread them it's been a while but the the sequels um are just as good and just yeah. as over this the top is the yeah. beast house series right yeah, it's uh, the Beast House is the second one, and then oh, what's the last one called? It's like Midnight at the Beast House or something. Right. Yeah, but either way, it's they're all really fucked up, <laughs> and uh, they have a lot more of the, the monsters in them. So if you want more like creature books, then yeah. uh, the sequels will make you happy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you if you had read the sequels because I noticed there was like another two three four of them so. yeah again i need to reread them because like i i devoured the whole series when i was in seventh grade um and then i i reread the seller a few years back and then reread it for this um but i need to read the others hmm. yeah i think i'll definitely try and catch at least another one of them at some point yeah just to see where he goes with it after that shocking ending <laughs> And ending was wild. Yeah. Is that um, is that a usual or unusual thing for Richard Lehman to flip it like that? Um, not unusual at all. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I actually I recently um started a little book club with a friend of mine where we're both like pushing each other to read outside of our usual books. Um. He likes science fiction and fantasy novels. I I like horror and crime and biography novels. So, um, and I, I had him read Savage by Richard Lehman and he finished it and basically said like the book kept setting up like two different paths and I, I'd get committed to choosing my path of where it would go and yeah. then Richard would throw in a third one. <laughs> right. And that's just always how he wrote and like the seller, the the prose itself is very sparse, but as he went, he became more detailed with like how characters think in these really absurd situations. And they would like almost meticulously say, Well, if I do this, then this will happen. I should do this because then this will happen. 
and then he'll throw something completely different in that ruins <laughs> both of those plans. Right. So he's kind of giving Ian a thoughts, and then he's like, actually, yeah. it's out of your control. <laughs> but it's it's very interactive with the audience because, like, you know, I've I've watched so many movies with people who like say, "Oh, the character should have done this," and Richard like acknowledges the people saying that, and then just mm. fucks with them. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite controversial now. The whole subverting expectations. I mean, that's yeah. changed meaning <laughs> since he done it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. What did you think about um, Donna and Judge's relationship in the book? How did that play out um, for you? Very hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, a I very mean, like steamy relationship. It's a it? very steamy. It's a very fast relationship, and like. You know, it's one of those things. Richard Lehman always gave the audience what they wanted. Um, and after all the, like, terrible, awful things that happened in the book, I think you you want something nice and pretty and happy. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what their relationship is. They get along really well. They don't fight. They don't have arguments. They just fuck, and it's a really <laughs> good time. Um, but then that makes the ending more tragic because you you kind of like fall in love with this couple and you're like oh they're so perfect together yeah oh no something bad's gonna happen yeah so i he's... think you're rooting for him i think you are yeah. thinking like you know like this woman's had a fucking shit time there's a psychopath on the loose like right let her have some fun <laughs> and i love that he he almost skims over like donna's past it's like it's kind of not important to know like how roy got his hooks in her like you mm -hmm. don't need the whole backstory of their relationship all you need is like the present he's a fucking psychopath and he's gonna kill her like yeah 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 i mean once you find out what he done like once you learn that he raped sandy when she was like six or something yeah like, it, it doesn't matter no like, you, what, don't, why, why you don't don't care about like, it i wonder matter. when they got married no yeah. fuck that yeah. like, yeah. No, it's like, almost like roy doesn't Roy doesn't deserve that like humanity that would come mm. with like getting his backstory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever kind of they had before that is non-void. Like once you rape yeah. a six-year-old, you're the scumbag. It doesn't, it doesn't why fucking else matter. Did. You're a horrible yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> like I just read uh, *Spectres* by J. M. Dillard, which is part of the uh, Dell Abyss horror line, um, yeah. and it's it's a very good book. Well, like it went so far into like the history and the backstory of this abusive person that like you start to feel bad for it until Dillard reminds you, oh yeah, but like he grows up to do all this. Yeah. And like that was very effective for that book, but I think it would have hampered this book. Yeah. Because everything about this book is so like present and in the moment and at the moment and Roy mm -hmm. has like forfeited being a human being he's yeah. an awful person he deserves he has, everything bad that could happen to him <laughs> yeah he has no redeeming yeah. qualities no redeeming features like yeah. so you're you're not sympathetic towards him like even when they're like going to go and feed him to the beast you're like fuck yeah or you're yeah, already yeah, thinking perfect. you'll yeah, just put a bullet in his head like just <laughs> you know yeah no and it's so effective it works really well he's he's a great villain even though like people would call him two-dimensional and i'm like that's the point mm -hmm. <laughs> do you want to yeah. feel bad for him like well, you should everyone else is trying to live their life right like he goes yeah. and ruins everyone's life he he burns that family's house down he rapes yeah uh, jody is it um he goes and kills like donna's sister and her husband he's hunting down his <clears throat> head again to presumably rape her again like i think right. that's what he's doing it for that's what he tells her when they catch he's up. Like, like taking so, a child with him, like yeah, so he's her around like she's luggage. Like yeah, he's, he's a horrible, horrible person, yeah. To force of absolute violence, and that's right. his role. Like everyone else is trying to live their life, he's trying to destroy it. So you know who I picture him as when I read this book? Who's that? David Hess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely a kind of house on the edge of the parks or David Hess, I think. Right. Yeah. The broken nose, curly hair, six feet tall. 
Yeah, just wants to get his kicks by hurting other people. Real greasy, nasty man. Just a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, I thought the uh, the most fun character in the book for me was uh, Larry. Like, I just had such an eccentric picture in my head of him being like one of those old, like, <clears throat> kind of sort of like the old explorers of the Amazon or something, like in my mind. Right. Like, yeah, he's kind of a he's kind of a Christopher Lloyd type character. Yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I thought he was really fun. I really liked him. I liked the again. I liked the relationship he built up with Sandy. Right. How that weirdly changed from them being like sort of enemies to them being buddies. Like he got a lot <laughs> yeah, done he, very quickly. He almost became like a, a grandfather figure to her, and like yeah, within like twenty pages. I think I think most writers would want to make something really dark out of that, and I I like that Richard Lane was like, no, this is good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just a good guy. <laughs> um, but like I like in contrast of Roy, we get so much backstory for for Larry and like everything that mm. he went through when he was a kid, um, because he's he's the only one in their group at first that believes in the beast because he saw it. He's he younger. The beast, yeah. Yeah. yeah, lost a friend to the beast. Right. He's and unwavering like, as well. He's definitely not like, no, I know what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't waver, no. <laughs> um, and there's the there's the part I really like at the beach, which kind of exemplifies his trauma and PTSD when like mm. Sandy jumps on his back and it just like yeah. panics him. He freaks out. He like kind of fights her off of him. <laughs> and he's like talking to judge afterwards he's like she shouldn't have jumped on my back like freaking out about it yeah. and it's like not even that the beast jumped on his back it's that he saw the beast do that to his friend and it like traumatized him so much that now he feels that some good writing though isn't it like, yeah. like he pretty much just like threw that girl off of him he pretty much beat <laughs> up a kid and you're like oh poor larry poor larry you don't know the book doesn't villainize him it's no, really fun not at all. Um, no and that's like richard layman is he's so sympathetic to his main characters and it makes you feel for them so when he pulls the rug out from under those characters at the end of the book it just feels even like nastier well because they were all nice characters right like donna yeah. and sandy judge and larry were all lovely right <laughs> they're you know they're not like perfect humans or anything but they're just really nice and lovely and they care for each other oh yeah judge is pretty much a bounty hunter but i mean he's nice right. to dog yeah so no, like judge has killed a lot of people before this <laughs> yeah we get like some we get like a peek into judge's past um but like not not more than we need to and it's like oh man this guy's killed a lot of people like yeah. he's he's mercenary he's you know yeah. he's but mostly again, i think he like really nice <laughs> he he makes like a big deal out of like oh everyone i killed was a monster so it's fine i sleep yeah. well at night it's okay <laughs> yeah you kind of believe him as well right like you don't think that well, he's killed anyone innocent yeah i mean i believe that he hasn't killed anyone innocent i don't think it's like he he plays it off like oh it doesn't affect because they were monsters but like the first scene we get from him is him having a nightmare about like yeah. being chased by the, the soldiers of like a warlord they killed <laughs> and, and then like eventually in the book he tells donna like oh no i don't lose any sleep over it it's like yeah trying to play cool. we saw you yeah. <laughs> we saw you yeah. lose sleep over it <laughs> but like yeah. the narrative doesn't like point out that lie it just yeah. lets it go in the dialogue so like if you're not really paying attention, you can miss it. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, because it doesn't reinforce it. Because he goes yeah. to Donna afterwards. Yeah. yeah, which I I love when dialogue can contradict the narrative and it fits for the story. Like mm. it's it's a hard thing to pull off. Um, I rarely try it. When I do, I worry about it. <laughs> so. I guess people can just think it's a continuity error, right? Yeah, and it's like, oh, but it's not. I did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, but you got no way of saying that. Right. Yeah, it's trust in your audience right there. Yeah. 
Um, do you think the, um, again, this is my film head on, but do you think the film, uh, the book, sorry, felt like a bit Hitchcockian at times, like a bit more extreme, but yeah, sort so... of kind of villain driven narrative? Lehman once said that he doesn't consider himself like explicitly a horror author, even though he wrote a lot of horror. He he considers himself more of a crime author. So a lot of his books focus on suspense and human crimes and uh, sort of relationships and tension. Um, so there's there's definitely Hitchcock elements in this. Um, I. It's such a unique book, though. It's like it's kind of hard for me to say, like, oh, this was like inspired by this movie or this book. Um, which I mean, like, a ton of his books are just such unique concepts. It's it's hard to say, like, whether or not he was inspired by like the video nasties or the slasher. Yeah, movie. it goes the other way as well, though, right? Like, yeah. I, like having now read this, like I could reappraise quite a lot of modern books over here and be like, I. I know where you got this from. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Like, I, I am very upfront. I tell people my books are inspired by Jack Ketchum, Edward Lee, and Richard Lehman. <laughs> I'm like, those those three have done so much for the, the very specific field that you and I work in for extreme horror. Like, it just wouldn't be around if it wasn't for those three. Yeah. I'm trying to go back and read more of the older stuff, like they're yeah. kind of... 80s 90s stuff but it's hard so much of it's out of print but it's also like which ones to read and yeah it's it's hard because a lot of it is out of print thankfully layman's art um Mm. they've they've done a very good job keeping his stuff available for people uh but like i'm reading charlie jacobs haunter right now which is an incredible book and it's one that I wish I could just tell everybody, oh, you need to read Haunter, but it's out of print. It's not on ebook. It's hard for people to find. I don't think they ever made an audible version of it. Um, right. But yeah, and it's, it's like one of those like seminal, like influential books for me. And it's hard for me to like suggest it to people. Yeah. I know. I'm hoping they sort that out at some point. So I'm, I'm having to be quite picky with like the older ones I read just for yeah. finding them which yeah thankfully again like richard layman jack ketchum and edward lee very mm. accessible easy to find and yeah, the all of edward their books lee. hold up <laughs> the only edward lee one i haven't been able to get hold of yet is um goon i think all the others i've seen yeah. around somewhere i, I don't know goon why that audible. one that one for some reason is very out of print hard to find I would love to see someone like I know Evil Cookie is doing a lot of say, I'm ready. books. That would be kind of yeah. nice if they got good. Yeah, Kelly Trap's listening. If he could let's let's <laughs> apply pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did mention being on the show at some point, so maybe I'll have to question him. Oh, that'd be cool. Does, yeah, interrogate yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like he does. He does such good work, and he's so like dedicated to restoring a lot of these older books. And I I love that attention to detail, the attention to the previous generation of extreme authors. And like, I mean, Lee doesn't really count on that because he's still kicking, still writing some of the nastiest shit I've ever read. Um, Like, yeah. Yeah, I think I've got televisions on my um, TBR to read pretty When Edward Lee publishes a new book, I almost dread it because I know it's going to make me want to try harder. Yeah, that's not a bad thing, though, right? Just no, it's not a bad motivation. So yeah, it's good motivation, but it's also like I read the television. And I'm like, why? Why didn't I write this? Yeah, <laughs> jealous. Yeah, I've, I've got that one to read. I'm thinking of reading it this month, so hopefully I'll oh, get you'll, around to it. But... You'll love it. It's a very good book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a few. Of, I, I haven't read that much of his. I've only read the head of series and big head, but they're all amazing. So. Um, to read them all. Pick up uh, Haunter of the Threshold. Yeah. That, that's my favorite Edward Lee book right now. Um, right. It's fucking deranged. Is that an older <laughs> one or one of the new ones? Uh, you know, I don't know when it came out. I think it came out around 2010. So, like, somewhere in the middle. Newer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Newer. 
Um, but it's it's like a pseudo sequel to an HP Lovecraft story. Um, right. But like, yeah, the I can't the, see how that fits at all. I can't oh, picture that. <laughs> Edward Edward Lee has done a lot of Lovecraft type books. Really? And they're all fantastic. Yeah. Um, another one is uh, Family Tradition, which um, Evil Cookie did a re-release for. Um, and then he's also done. I just got this from a local library uh pages torn from a travel journal which is like hp lovecraft's travel writing and all these yeah. crazy things that he sees um of course the main character isn't called hp lovecraft he's just called howard but yeah. <laughs> we know who he is <laughs> yeah. yeah um edward lee like i i was thankful i got to talk to him on uh the mothers of mayhem podcast and I asked him, like, what his favorite non-horror authors are. And he said, like, William Faulkner, The Sound and the Fury is, like, one of his favorite books. And I'm like, yeah. that just, that tracks. That makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with his, like, very Southern Gothic style. His amazing style. I love yeah. his style, Ryan. Oh, so it, it took me about 30, 40 pages of header to get into it. And then after yeah. that, there's no turning back after that. Oh, it's like with the big head. I've had so many people give up on it and like push through it because once yeah. you once it clicks with you, it's addictive. This is funny. You it's don't funny. want it to end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, his no, own but... style is just hilarious. But at first, it's so jarring because you're like, well, I've never read anything else like this before. Back to back to Richard Lehman real fast. I. You know, obviously, I wish he was still alive. I wish I could have asked him, like, what his inspirations were going in. Because um, so many interviews with him are, are very focused on, on his own work. Um, but, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of Hitchcock. There's a lot of film and cinematic language that goes into his writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got, a, he's got a, oh, what's it called? night shoot no he's got a book that's about like making slasher movies in the 1980s right. so he was obviously like super connected with what was going on on that era um but yeah like reading the seller how how fast and snappy the prose is it feels like you're watching a movie yeah i i found it very cinematic like just yeah, the speed of it, the kind of the small town picture, the the way the locations got kind of very well described. You'd skip over yeah. so many details, but not the location. You would make sure that you really understood like every location they're at. Um, even stuff like when Donna crashes the car at the beginning, it just you could see it playing out. Like you could see this fog the fog closing in, the fog and coming yeah, in. just yeah, very cinematic. <laughs> Right. And like the dialogue is so lyrical too. Like it doesn't, it never feels like the dialogue and the prose are like the same voice. And that's, that's the best thing that I think I've learned from Layman from reading him. Um, because I think a lot of authors and especially like when I first started, we write dialogue the same way we write our prose. So it all sounds like a singular voice. And Layman mm-hmm. is so good at separating those two voices and making it clear, like, who the narrator is does not speak the way that the characters do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I come from a script writing background, and one of the things you're kind of taught nice and early is you should be able to flick to any page in the script, put your name over, put your hand over whoever's talking, read the dialogue, and know who it is. Nice. <laughs> and yeah, I feel like you kind of you get that in this book. I feel like Judge and Larry and Roy, like the three main men in the book, all took all talked completely different. Like and yeah, they they all had a different like, feel to them, and the narrator had a completely different feel to even them. Yeah, Donna and Sandy have their own vibe. Yeah, Axel is doing whatever the fuck Axel is Axel, doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I still don't know what the fuck Axel's doing. Yeah, in his world. <laughs> I I like that we don't really get to know much about him. He's just this weird kind of figure through the book. Like he's one of the first people. He is the first person they meet when they go to that town. 
and then we don't see him at all until like the end of the book yeah which again is a red herring right like you think he's the beast like (laughs) why else was he in the book but you haven't seen him since but he i love the the kind of texas chainsaw massacre vibe of that family yeah that's what i was about to say he did have that 80s slasher thing going on axel right yeah and the whole family really with the inky bedroom and the boarded up house and the glass the mirrors all over the room maggie is like blowing one of the monsters when they come (laughs) in to try and kill them (laughs) yeah she's like 80 and she's blowing a monster or something in a mirrored bedroom (laughs) this shit just got weird i think judge like shoots one of the monsters right when it comes on her face (laughs) i'm like yeah Yeah. 1980 folks there's some crazy shit going on I see, yeah. Again, like, yeah, I was fully aware of the movies being crazy then. I've seen most of the video nasties and all the Italian stuff and studied it. But books wise, didn't have a clue that there was, you could write like that back in the 1980s. Although maybe you want, maybe it was just him doing it. No, I mean, like, he he definitely has such a unique style in his own way of doing it. Um, But even like back then, Dean Koontz was like pushing boundaries and writing crazy shit um you know he obviously he does like more suspense thrillers and kind of tamer books now but like when he started he and layman were like very close friends and i think they were in a competition to see who could out like <laughs> sleaze the other <laughs> early Coons books are very sleazy and very rapey and a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> that's what i want for my books yeah. <laughs> so um before we finish up on this one, what would you um what would you recommend then? Like a crash course in Richard Lehman? Uh I would definitely I'd say if you want to read some of his like most well regarded books, um the two I'd suggest are Island and The Traveling Vampire Show. <laughs> uh both are first person narrated, but they have wildly different perspectives um the traveling vampire show is a coming of age story set in the 60s and most of it is almost like a comedy drama just about a group of kids who want to sneak out and go see the traveling vampire show and then the last act is just nothing but like pure horror and action (laughs) um island Honestly, Island has aged very well. Um, it's almost the diary of an incel who <laughs> is uh, on a deserted island with a group of women um, after their cruise ship explodes. And it just, it gets nastier and meaner as it goes. It's really fucked up. And it's really well written. Good. It sounds like a good concept to begin with. Yeah, yeah no, those those two, and both of them are like, 500 pages or so um but like they read really fast and they're really Mm. well done um my my personal favorite layman book is come out tonight but it's not one that i suggest people start with i think it's a good idea to read it after you've kind of gotten a handle on exactly what all of his scope of work does um but it's about a sex maniac in la um yeah, it's kind of just about that. <laughs> <laughs> what more do you need? It's what more do you need? It's great. Yeah. <laughs> he bites a penis off. It's fantastic. <laughs> and was this all kind of eighties era or uh eighties, nineties, and then early well, these were these were more like late nineties, early two thousands. Oh, so he kept it going yeah. then. He kept it going, yeah. Um oh. I think he, he wrote like novels he wrote about 50 novels before he died um he also did a lot of flashback books which were like like chat books or kind of like what i do with like um novelette length stories um those are kind of hard to find i think only one has been put over on ebook um i'm i'm kind of searching for some of them but a lot of them were like to get younger people into reading or to get like people who hadn't read a lot into reading. Um, they're really yeah. fun. Yeah. So like an introduction to his work almost. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were never as like gory or as dark, but they were fun and spooky. Yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, I think I definitely need to check out more of his stuff. I was really impressed with Salah. I really thought it was great. Yeah. So uh, no again, expectations. This is, like, this is only the tip of the iceberg on how like depraved his books can get too. Well, that's it. I had no expectations going in. I you know, I know he's a legend. I know like you know what he's done within the genre, but having not really read any of it or even read up on what he does. I was kind of like, okay, let's just see how this goes. And yeah, I was hooked like immediately. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm really happy. We, you, you messaged me asking like what book I'd suggest. And I, I think like originally I was going to have you do um, one of his bigger books. And then you, you said, oh, I was thinking of starting the seller at some point. I'm like, nope, start there. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd already downloaded yeah. the seller. I yeah. literally had it on my read list. Like, I think I read one other book first and then that was to be the next one. So it just kind of worked out. It's good timing. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy you enjoyed it. Um, the more people I can get to read Lehman, the, the happier I'll be when I die. Spread <laughs> the word. Yeah. Well, hopefully Again, this podcast so I like so many of my books. Again. I think I've dedicated a ton of my books to Lehman. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> he's, again, he's the reason so many of us do what we do. Yeah, I can see that. Like I said, having read it now, I can kind of connect a few of the dots and yeah. <laughs> see which authors I'm like, oh yeah, they, they're definitely a layman fan. Like, especially, like I said, the Roy character, he is pure extreme horror. Right, yeah. I think like every road trip maniac <laughs> is very much based on Roy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so is there anything else within the cellar that we've missed out? Anything more you want to go over? Uh, you know, I know we've kind of touched on the ending. I don't, I don't want to go into too much detail because like if anybody's looking for a recommendation, uh, you won't see the ending coming. Even if you have an idea of what's coming, you won't see it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just want to reiterate. It's a fantastic book. It's one of my favorites, um, and everybody should be reading it. Yeah, it's got a great pace to it too, as well. Yeah. Anyone who's worried about it being an older book, it's it's not. Yeah, no, it's not flowery with its prose or anything. It powers through. That's again one thing I love about Layman is he knew exactly what he was writing, and a lot of it was for entertainment. So every single page is entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, well, I think we definitely both recommend the seller and reading plenty more Richard Lehman. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Judith. It's been awesome. Thank having you. you here. Yeah, this was so much fun. Yeah, I definitely have to have you uh, back at some other point as well. Oh, I'm down. Good. Yeah, um, I've got so many books to tell you to read. Well, it's one of the things I'm looking forward to is to see these different combinations of what authors will kind of want to talk about and how it all fits together. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what everybody suggests for you. I know as of recording this right now, all you uploaded is the Otis Bateman interview, and that yeah. was just so much fun. And I, I love hearing him talk about that fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very he, excited about that one. He yes. is. He's like a kid in a candy store. It's great. <laughs> he's like, yeah, that looks awesome. They fuck dead bodies in it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it would have aired by this point, but the second one I'd done was um, uh, Vicky Beautiful by Sana Cannon, and that was with um, Stephen Kozaninski. And that was a really good kind of chat as well. Like, you know, I haven't read that book. book. Yeah. I think you would really like it. I think it's it's such a unique book. Like, it's one of those books you're better off not knowing about before you read it. I'll go in right? blind. I'll, yeah, I'll it's a short topic. book. Yeah. Like you read yeah. it in like an hour or two. It's a very short oh, book. But, but it was just like, yeah, like having a chat with him about that was a. I really enjoyed that one as well, just because it's it's one of those books where you kind of like, I don't know, like it's it's creepy and beautiful at the same time. So it's an interesting one to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's a good mix. I, yeah, I love when like I've I've been rereading Clive Barker and. I love when authors are able to kind of like contrast horror with like beauty. Um, mm. So it's always, always something that interests me. 
Yeah, another one I done which would have aired by now was um Dead When We Met by Elizabeth Bedlam. Uh, I spoke to Donna Laffham about that and yeah, that's okay. another one that is like it's about necrophilia and it's lovely. That's another <laughs> one I haven't I haven't heard of. Yeah. No, that's one of the reasons she chose it, because she was like, not yeah. enough people have heard about this book. So in fact, like both of them. Yeah, no, well, now I'm even more excited because I'm gonna be learning about all these books I haven't heard about. <laughs> Yeah, no, like the books I've got lined up with the office is a good mixture of stuff where I'm like, I've never heard of that. That sounds really interesting. And stuff where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this fantastic book that everyone knows with right. this author who's <laughs> not the author of the book. Like, that would be a lot of fun. So, yeah, it's such a cool concept. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Like, it started yeah. off well. So, um, but yeah, like I said, thank you very much for coming along and for sharing your 60 second short as well. And yeah, thank you. Uh, introducing me to Richard Lehman. I've got a lot of homework to do now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, it's like 50 books that you got to read now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you I'll don't have to, to read them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm already covering about 20 books a month at the moment. So I'll try and squeeze okay. one in every now and then. No, like it. Godless is always uploading new stuff, so it's it's hard to keep up. I've I've kind of given up on trying to keep up with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's yeah, okay. Like, I'll get around to it eventually, but it might be like a year after your books come out. So. I I have people message me going, "I'm sorry, I haven't grabbed your new one yet." And I'm like, "It's it's fine, really. Don't yeah. worry about it. Like, there's so much to read." <laughs> with you, I'd be like, "What new one? Like, which of the three do you mean? <laughs> which one?" <laughs> Um, so yeah, I won't keep you any longer anyway, but like, thank you very much for coming on and like I said, yeah. I'll definitely have you back at some point. All right. I am looking forward to talking again. Awesome. Thank you very much. And I will see you all later. All right. See you, Stephen. Bye. Bye.